Hi, and welcome to the Femme Factor podcast. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Laura and Dr. Nicole. This is a place for women just like you desiring to learn, be inspired, and find community. We'll be discussing everything from health, longevity, and aging, to mindset, high performance, and cycle syncing, to intuition and healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All from a lens that is based both upon the latest health research and feminine energetics. Blending equal parts scientific evidence and inner wisdom, we invite you to elevate your biology, empower your intuition, and embody your magic. Welcome back to the Fem Factor podcast. Laura and I are so excited to have our next guest, Suzanne Goldstein. She is the founder of Dare Human. She has been a Hollywood movie producer. She has had deg- or has gotten degrees in engineering and in art. She's been a consultant for 30 years and now is um, an online coach, which I feel like, Suzanne, that just doesn't do you justice. Um, And so I'm sure you're going to take us through this beautiful journey of how you've gotten to where you are. And um, we are just so excited to have you here with us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. I love you guys so much. And I'm I'm happy to be part of this conversation. So, um, you know, I have an interesting story. I like to say that um, somehow I was born with both sides of my brain working. So I did get a, get a degree in mechanical engineering and a degree in theater and film. And I often joke that the degree in engineering was for my parents, but because that's what they wanted me to be. But I had this, this yearning, this desire inside me to be expressive, to live in my intuition. Um, and to be creative, it felt to me like this is the best way that we were going to solve problems in the world. And my whole life has been dedicated to making the world a better place. And I don't know why I was born with that as my purpose, but it definitely is my purpose. And every time I wander off of it as a purpose, um, things don't go as well. And then when I stay on that purpose, things in my life are full of abundance and glory and fun. And so, um, you know, I, I wasn't always this person. And I think with all women in their journeys, part of the beauty of the unfoldment of being a woman is that that blossoming, that discovery of self. And so part of my story, um, you know, was 20 something years ago. Uh, I remember I was walking down the sh- main shopping area here in Boston and I saw this woman across the street from me. And she was everything I wanted to be. And so I hated her. I was not emotionally mature enough at the time to not hate her for being exactly who I wanted to be. And she had this beautiful dress on and it was this gorgeous summer day with sunshine and, you know, just a slight breeze. So the hair is flowing and she's kind of walking down. And I noticed that people are looking at her and I'm like across the street from her cursing myself. Because I was one of these people who was massively successful in my consulting work and in my startup world work and in producing movies, but at home alone at night, I was a mess. 
a complete and total mess. And so here I was standing on the corner of this very fancy shopping area with this woman walking down the street and, and me berating myself because she was everything I wanted to be. And so I started tracking with her as she walked down the street and she's kind of across from me and we're going block to block down this shopping area. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a traffic pattern thing, but all of a sudden I kind of got hit with a bolt of lightning and the lightning was, she is me. And what I had actually done is projected my consciousness to the other side of the street and what I called me, the broken down version of me who had uh, was a survivor of sexual, emotional and physical abuse, uh, a survivor of, you know, too many years of post-traumatic stress disorder for me to even like explain to anyone. And this part of me that was massively successful in what I did for a living. And it was at this lightning strike moment that I realized that I had bifurcated myself, that I had grown up living how I should have lived, how people expected me to live, what people wanted for me. And then there was the version of me that felt like I was me. And so the work of my life starting maybe 25 years ago was to integrate these two parts of my personality to become a full and whole woman. And I think that's probably a great place to start my story. I wrote down, um, integrating all the pieces of ourselves, right? As you said, I learned to integrate those two parts of me. And I think your story about the woman across the street is one that many of us have experienced in some way or another. Um, and so thank you for being so open and vulnerable with, with sharing that. And I'm just wondering, and I'm sure Laura has a few questions too, but maybe you can um, keep going along this thread of how, because it's so easy so many times to say, oh, we just need to integrate such, you know, X, Y, and Z, or we need to um, be able to just bring them all and accept everything. But there's a lot more work and effort underneath all of that than just the easy part of saying I'm integrating or I, I learned to integrate. So can you touch upon that a little bit more, maybe a few specifics on what and how you were able to do this? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I mean, first of all, this is not a, for me, it was not a short process. Um, I have, I'm 59 years old. I started doing personal growth work when I was 27 and I'm happy to share how I did that if it's relevant. Um, but this particular place in my growth um, was starting to realize that I was living inside a matrix, that I was living inside an illusion that had been set up for me to live a certain way that achievement and success, particularly in the version of money was what really mattered and how you could value yourself. I had to realize that I was constantly looking for external validation. Um, so I produced my first movie when I was 27 for Disney. I wrote a best-selling book. I've built hundreds of technology companies as a consultant with, with founders. I've started four technology companies on my own and sold two of them. 
Um, you know, I've done a lot of different things in the world. I taught at Harvard. Like I have a lot of credentials that make me seem like, oh, you must have your act together. But I love this thing that I think they said at Weight Watchers years and years ago, which is don't make the mistake of comparing your insides to someone else's outsides. Because when we do that, you know, you can look at my resume, my credentials and say, she must have it all together. But until you know the person, until you go into yourself, until you start working on both your self-worth and self-confidence, which comes from the place of doing the shadow work, doing the deep healing work of, of letting go of hope. And this to me was the biggest one. I, I had a fairly dysfunctional family and um, I kept hoping something would change and they would be different and I would have the family of my dreams. And so in doing that, I had to, I had to give up a piece of my identity and realized that I could recreate who I wanted to be outside of that external validation. Because I kept thinking, if I just produce a movie when I'm young, if I just write a bestseller, they'll love me. And if they love me, I'd finally be okay. And so I would say that the biggest piece of this integration work is learning to love yourself so fiercely. And it is probably the hardest work you'll ever do in your life. Yes. I love that so much. And I think parts of that are really relatable. I think so many of us as women out there, we do kind of get stuck in that. I don't know if it's a trap we'll say, but a pattern of like constant achievement, right? Like what's the next credential? What's the next degree? What's the next promotion? And, you know, we, we think that that next that next goal, that's going to be what finally does it, right? We'll be able to sit back and be like, ah, yes, this is what I've been searching for. But really we end up breezing right past that next achievement and it's on to the next one. So I, I don't see men do it quite as much. So I feel like that's a little bit of a female brain thing that we tend to do. And we're kind of in this phase of a collective unlearning of, of that. And it really does come down to what you said. It's that, that validation only comes from within. And it seems simple, but I think it is the most uncomfortable thing of all. It's almost easier in some ways to focus on an, an external marker of success, right? To, to go get another degree, to go do something else versus sitting down and saying, well, what do I actually want versus what do I think I want that I think will make me happy, but is really just kind of taking up space away from this other thing deep down inside of my soul. So that was such a, a cool example of it. And it sounds like, gosh, I think you said you started that when you were 27. So it's been three decades in the making of that work. Um, so I would actually love to know where you started uh, back when you were 27 and kind of started getting into some of this inner work, personal development. Like, can you remember the first, like the first thing you, you dipped your toe into in that, in that area? I did. I do. Um, so a little bit of backstory for that, which is that when I was 19, I knew something was wrong with me and I couldn't, I didn't know what it was. Um, I had a lot of pride in the fact that I was very emotional and then I had really high emotions and really low emotions. And I just felt bad for people who kind of like had moderate emotions. I was like, you're not really living life. If you don't feel as big as I do, you don't love as big as I do, and you don't hurt as big as I, I mean, I just literally like thought I was superior to everybody else because of that. 
until I realized that was actually could be considered a medical condition. Um, and um, in my case, it wasn't, but I did get myself into therapy. And what I realized at that time is that uh, I had some not so great therapists until I found a really great one. And that great therapist um, worked with me after a very traumatic breakup of a engagement that I had. And the trauma centers in my brain opened up. And I remember a huge chunk of my childhood that I had blocked out and it had to do with abuse. And um, I knew at that point that I needed to figure out how to work on me and the therapy wasn't getting me there. And so I had moved to Los Angeles. I was working in Hollywood at Disney. Here I was like producing a big movie at a very young age. And I was like becoming them. And what I mean by that is that in Hollywood in the 1980s and early 90s, it was very high flying. It was very ego driven and it was very mean. And um, you can read stories of those times, but it was kind of like just being in the armpit of humanity that didn't have good values in how they were going about the work. And I didn't want to become one of them. And I noticed that I was getting full of drama more so than regular. And I didn't want to be that person who cutting other people down and to make myself look better. And so I gave myself a theme on New Year's Eve of, I wanna say it was 1992, something like that. And I said to myself, I'm gonna give myself a year to learn to be dramatic only when drama is necessary. And for me, it was like carrying around, you know, I don't know, you know, like a, a pack of cigarettes that's unopened. And you have them there in your back pocket in the case of emergency, but you really think hard before you open it because you know you don't want to do that. And so the whole year, I gave myself to integrate this. And I'll be honest with you, the first four months of the year, I couldn't even remember what my theme was. And then I finally started remembering that, oh, yeah, you said you were going to only be dramatic when drama is necessary. And I discovered for myself something that I call a fork in the road, or some people call it the why, the why in the road. And it was this moment that I started to realize that when someone would say something to me, do something to me, that I had an opportunity to choose what I did next. And I could either choose to respond or to react. Now, back then, this was the early 90s, no one was talking about this stuff. And so I wasn't like able to read books and there was no websites and I had to figure this out and I'm looking around and I'm like, is that true? Like I can actually choose, that's a thing that you can choose how you wanna be. And so I started really focusing on something I call the millisecond, this tiny moment in time where you can make that choice and, and learned how to expand that time so a lot of people talk about collapsing time. I like to expand time to give myself time to think in the middle of something. And I would, it's like time to slow down. This person had said something to me and what I really wanted to do was sock them in the nose or scream. But what I chose to do is learn how to respond. And so that whole year of my life, um, I got better and better and better at um, responding. And I actually got rid of my temper. I had a terrible temper. Um, and I got rid of my um, my need to express myself 
loudly and dramatically. And after that year, I was like, wow, I'm Suzanne 2.0. Like I have created a new version of me. And ever since that time, I have yearly, sometimes monthly, sometimes weekly, sometimes daily, I give myself a theme about who I want to be next, something I want to work on. And I literally sometimes give myself a dot release like, oh, that's a Suzanne 2.1. And then sometimes it's a big integration. And so I'm like, oh, you got a Suzanne 2.5 today. And now in 2023, I'm Suzanne 29.1. And it has been long and hard and amazing and joyful and um, everything in between. And it's been an incredible experience. So that's the methodology I use for improving my own life. And I certainly show it to everyone. anybody who comes and talks to me, learns about how I upgrade myself like software. <laughs> I love that. I think the one of the first times I heard about, you know, the, the point between stimulus and response or reaction versus response was uh, Victor Frankl's book, um, Mankind, Man's Search for Meaning, I believe. And he says like, in between stimulus and response, there's this space. And that's really where the magic happens or the shifts happen or the up levels happen. Um, and it's so hard and so difficult um, in the world we live in to actually be able to create those spaces. And sometimes that could be you know, a second. And sometimes that could be a week, um, figuring out, you know, what, what amount of time we need. And I just, I love that you brought up sometimes it's right away that you get these up levels and sometimes it takes a while and that you bring a theme to it. Both Laura and I, if you all listening saw our faces, we were cracking up when Suzanne said, uh, it took her four months just to remember what the theme was because I feel like we're always like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> As two Enneagram sevens, like remembering things isn't really one of our strengths. So we have to write everything down. But um, I love this this uh, uh, idea of having a theme and that it can be something that's for a short amount or it could be something for it's a whole year, like a bigger context, but it almost to kind of keep us um, finding that true north, right? That north star and, and a direction. And it's not that you can't detour or maybe, you know, take a little bit of a scenic route, but it's always going to kind of bring you back to that place where you're wanting to go. Um, and so that brings me to want to ask a little bit more about because this sounds a lot like strategy to me and um i know you are big in helping entrepreneurs and we have a lot of entrepreneurs and high level um corporate women who you know are constantly trying to navigate and juggle the strategy or the masculine with the energy or the feminine or however you want to explain it in your own way. But we here at Fem Factor, like this is a big part of what we love to talk about is bringing in both of those to, to truly create the magic that we're looking for. Because so many times 
we lean hard into one or the other. But again, talking about this integration of things, that's when really great things can happen. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's something I call strategetics, which is the energy of your strategy and the strategy of your energy. And I think it's, it, it comes a lot from studying the Tao, um, the Tao Te Ching. And if you think about the yin yang symbol, if you remember what it looks like, um, it's usually black and white. It's a circle. It's got two shapes that fit together perfectly um, that kind of look like bent teardrops. And it makes a whole. We often think, oh, men are masculine and women are feminine. And, and now the world is waking up to the fact that men are masculine and feminine energy and women are masculine and feminine energy and people who are non-gender conforming, uh, you know, non-binary, they have masculine and energy, feminine energy too. And the question is, how do we inside ourselves find balance? And our society was designed for men by men to benefit men so men can get ahead. And so in order for women to be successful as they started coming into the workforce in the 1960s, they had to start behaving like men, which means that women never came into the workplace being women. And so to be successful, to get ahead, we had to learn to lean in, to scramble, to fight our way up the ladder. And often if one woman made it to a certain level, she would actually take her high heel shoe and she would bash the next woman on the ladder with her high heel shoe because there was only room for one woman at the top. And so when I think about the balance of the masculine and the feminine, I, I used to be a ballroom dancer. And I don't know if you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars or one of these fantastic shows that has ballroom dancing, or you can just go on Instagram any day of the week. And, and when you see a beautiful ballroom dance, you know it because the masculine, often played by the man, is holding this incredible frame. He's directing where the dance goes. And he allows space for the feminine energy, usually played by a woman, to have a blast, to have fun, to shine, to show off. And it's such a beautiful metaphor because within each of us, we have moments where we need to like buckle up, get shit done, use that masculine energy and the energetics of that kind of forward momentum. But there's also the energy of wanting to play, the energy of intuition, the, intu the, the energy of receiving and allowing our cup to fill. And so for me, when we play this inside of ourselves, a lot of us who grew up in the corporate mill, like I did, um, I was missing my feminine energy, even though I had this deep craving for intuition and working in the arts, which is why I did for so many years. And still there's a lot of coding that you need to undo to get to that comfort place of understanding that it's okay to lean back. So I remember when Sheryl Sandberg, the former uh, CEC, uh, chief operating officer of Facebook wrote a book called Lean In and I went crazy around the country and I read that book and I just desperately wanted to write a book called Lean Back because I thought she was giving women 150% of the wrong message. She was basically saying, let someone else raise your children and lean in harder to work, speak up louder at work, do it on. I'm like, no, stop trying to behave like a guy. 
in a guy's world. So part of the work that I do is I work with a lot of female executives with the idea of learning to play the game inside an organization so they can get to a high enough level in leadership that they can change the game from the inside. Because until we have the game changers inside the organizations, we're going to keep playing the game by the same exact rules. And that doesn't work for everybody. So um, when I think about strategy and energy together, one is the intuition and the receiving and the play and the fun and the creativity that guides us to follow our bliss. And the other is the, the wrapper, the container, the scaffolding that actually allows us to go after those dreams. And for me, it's a perfect play. I, I see what you mean by the strategy, the strategy of energetics, especially in like the second half of that, that really makes a lot of sense. And I, I know how deep the conditioning is of women needing to behave a little more in their masculine for success, because I'll admit when I was listening to you talk about the book, lean in and you're like, she's giving the wrong advice. I got a little triggered for a second. And then I'm like, wait, that's the point of this conversation. Like, that's what we learn. Now we need to take the time and unlearn it. Because that that is something that collectively as women, especially if we're in that corporate side of things, we're climbing that ladder is there is this kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to speak up. I have to get louder because no one's hearing me. But I think, I, I don't know, I would love to have this conversation about the future of women in business. I know that's something that you're passionate about too. But if we're, if we are just trying to play the game like men, it, it really is going to be impossible for us to change it because we're just... We're not wired to be at our best that way. Um, mm -hmm. I know Nicole and I talk about this a lot in regards to health. We'll see a lot of women kind of stay in that strategy phase around their health and not really, not really connect to what their, their bodies need as women. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's just, again, even like healthcare health advice has been based on studies that looked at men for protocols for men, uh, circadian rhythm, hormone patterns of men, not of women. And that's really the the world we're living in. And there's so many women wondering why we have higher rates of autoimmune disease and chronic fatigue and burnout and all of these other problems. And it's this, not to, not to get too corny with the metaphor you use with dancing, but it's this dance between the strategy and ignoring what we need as women internally at both the biology level and just our, our basic needs and that more feminine energy mm -hmm. side of things. So can I just add something here? Yeah. Um, I, do a, I do a talk for corporations called The Future Business is Female. And I was giving this talk to a group of people one day and a young woman on the call said, so here I am, I'm a consultant. I work with a bunch of different organizations. Like how can I just be in flow? How, I mean, if someone needs me to be on a call at a certain time, I have to be there. I don't get to like go, oh, do I feel like it? So how do you build that feminine energy into your day. And I said to her, well, if you look at my calendar and I held up my phone, I said, after this talk, it literally has an hour in my calendar afterwards that says rest. And it's just the idea that it doesn't mean you can't play the game. It means that you've got, we've got to do it in a way that works with our patterns, our needs, our ability to sense our bodies. I know so many women who literally don't have feeling in their body because they've been so cut off at the neck from the overthinkingness that it takes to survive these days. 
Absolutely. You, you actually answered my next question before I even asked it. <laughs> it was going to be around, what are some starting places for women who are looking to, okay, well, I'm, I'm in this world with this schedule that's not always in my control. So what things, where can I start to create that space to, to give me what I need while still playing the game, while still, you know, doing the talks, getting on stages, doing all of these other things without sacrificing my feminine energetics, without sacrificing my health, without burning out, trying to keep up this certain pace. So I, I love that scheduling those little spaces in your calendar. I know that's something for myself that I do with a lot of clients who are solopreneurs, business owners is let's, let's create the space in your schedule. So you'll actually do it just the space to try and start reconnecting to your body to kind of drop in and see what you want, because we have been, we've been so far disconnected from what we actually need. We're just going, 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 and not really getting to where we want to be at the end of the day. So I, I love that you answered that without me having to ask it. Well, and I'll add one extra piece to it, which is that most of the high powered women I work with and, you know, entrepreneurs who are in the startup mode, I mean, across the gamut, most people don't know how to answer the question, what do you want? They just don't know how, and because no one's ever asked them. And so they've never asked themselves. And so before we go hightailing it down some trip, <laughs> to try to figure out how to get to the top of the ladder or how to make the 100K months or how to do things that people are competitive about. And women by nature are not competitive. We are collaborative. Um, what is it you actually want when you strip away the desires of your spouse or your parents or society or your familial coding or your ancestral trauma when you pull all of that away when you disconnect from lack when you open yourself up to the idea that you can co-create the life that you want what do you want and if you can start there and the answer is i want a life of ease and I want a life of plenty, that's a very different starting place than I just want to be wealthy because I think money's going to solve all my problems. I just want to be powerful because I think if I'm powerful, it'll solve all my problems. Yeah, those are, that's such a powerful question. And um, you're so right when most women well, most people in general, but especially women, they just don't know how to answer that. They also don't know how to answer, what do I need? Like, do I need to rest? Do I need to go outside? Do I need to eat something more? Do I need to eat something less? Do I need to move my body in a different way? You know, do I need to find a therapist? Do I need to find an acupuncturist? Like all of these things that take time and effort just to create the space to find those answers of what do I want? What do I need? And clearing out all the, you know, chaos and expectations and people who are pulling at us in every direction, whether it's like you said, kids, family, spouse, work, team, parents, religion, you know, how we grew up, society, all of these things. And it can be, it can be a little scary 
to actually take the time and to sit with yourself and to see what do you really want? Because so many of us have been taught that that's like actually wrong to ask yourself, what do you want? It shouldn't matter what you want. It should matter, you know, how you can be of service to everyone else. And I know that's a big part of your company is talking about being of service. And yet you just said, you know, some of the first starting points or foundation when you work with someone is asking, what do you want? So could you talk a little bit maybe more about how those two go together? What do you want, but also how you can be of service as well? Yeah, I love this question. Um, so my company is called Dear Human, and we have what we call our model of change. It's based on four archetypes and they have names. They all start with A. <laughs> but what they stand for is know yourself, live on purpose, get shit done and make money, and be the change you want to see in the world. And you notice how we start with know yourself, because in order to be a force for good in the world, you first have to be a force for good in your own life. And it is from that place that we can serve in a way that allows us to align with our goddess-given purpose, our source energy, the thing that we were put on this planet to do. And it's really hard to hear what that is when there's a lot of noise coming at you from other places. And so in order to truly serve, to truly give, we have to understand that we get the most when we give. The receiving, and this goes back to the Tao as well, it's like you cannot receive if your cup is full. And if your cup is empty, our receiving channels are often closed because we're desperate. And so how do we find the balance of the flow that is giving in order to receive as opposed to constantly focused on getting? And so when we learn to be in alignment with ourselves, to ask that those questions like, who am I? What matters to me separate from all other entities? What do I stand for? What are my values? If I could change one thing and it could be tiny or huge on this planet to make this planet better, what would it be? And then we get to build a life that lets us play in that field. Now, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to go make as much money as possible and I'll be philanthropic when I retire. Or when I need a tax write-off, I'll make sure I give some money to charity. But we also know that there's a lot of people, especially in the US, but all over the world, who are suffering from not enoughness. And if you are feeling not enoughness, the best way to feel better in your own life is to go help someone else. Not because you're feeling pity for them, but because you're giving them something that they're not receiving. And so I truly believe that these are work together. This is the philosophy of social change, the philosophy of social entrepreneurship, which is that we measure more than money as the output. And in doing that, we give and we get together. Yeah, that's so beautiful to give and get together. And um, 
Can you tell us a little bit more about how people work with you through Dare Human? I know you just put on a three-day summit or two days, two and a half day, I guess, summit of Future Her. Um, we would love to hear more about this. I know you're hoping, or maybe there's more in the works. I'm, you can uh, you know, update us on an in-person event perhaps next year. Um, yeah, all, all the, all the things. Yeah. So um, I like to say I work with people at three different levels. So there's a group I call everyday dare humans. These are people who are learning to activate more in their own life, to dare themselves to walk farther with, with courage and also holding fear by the hand. And they know that they are not satisfied with life as it is, but they actually don't know how to make a change. And so for those people, we offer, you know, courses, we have a thing called the Dare Human Core Curriculum, which is a recorded sequence of, of programs that really teach you the core principles of knowing yourself, living on purpose, getting shit done and making money and being the change you want to see in the world. And we really like to share that. Um, and then on this next level is entrepreneurial women, particularly women, because I work with men for so many years. And what I realized is that as the only woman at the table, a lot of the time who was often asked to get coffee for the group when I was there to be the executive consultant they had brought in to tell them how to run their business. Um, you know, I just realized that we need to really change the world for women. And it was going to take two levels of that. One is the entrepreneurial woman, the one who's out there building her own thing. And so the Future Her conference that you mentioned, Nicole, was really about how can women imagine a future that is not about replacing the broken systems and structures and cultures of our current society, but instead building a parallel path that is what would happen if companies and societies and cultures and businesses were built with the voices of all people in consideration in the room from the beginning. And one of the favorite questions I ever ask people about this is like, if women were there at the table, when the concept of business was invented, what would they be asking for? And I get all kinds of answers around collaboration and cooperation and things like that. But I'm like, I don't know a single woman in the world who would have started a business not asked at the moment, where are my children right now? And so I think if women were at the table when business was invented, business would have a sales and marketing department, it would have a research department, it would have an HR department, it would have a childcare department, it would have a technology and finance department. Like it would actually have it built in because we weren't considered at the beginning. And so the work that I do for entrepreneurs and with entrepreneurs is to help them build businesses that reflect the kind of life that they want to have. And I work with women on all different levels. I have a couple different masterminds and leadership programs. And then the last thing I really focus on is executive women and celebrity women, because I love helping women who have platforms use their platform for good. And that's when we really start to get the messaging out even broader. So you can bake the messaging into the company as a social entrepreneur or a change-making entrepreneur, or you can actually be an executive or a celebrity with a platform either inside a company or outside in the public? And how do you actually start activating at that level? So it's, it's a lot of fun and uh, I have big dreams. <laughs> I hope I live another 120 years. Oh my gosh, me too. 
This is amazing. What an amazing, incredible mission. And what I love about it is it's what's so poignant about it is it, it really is again, leveraging that female strength of collaboration. And, and we know this when women feel supported, when women make more money, all of that goes right back into their communities, whether they, so it's not all about business. This has a trickle down effect into like society in general, which is really powerful. And you know, I, I'm such a brain chemistry nerd that I'm listening to you talking and I'm like, this is exactly it. When we do this, we make oxytocin, we bond to each other more. Like this is exactly how we, we change everything. So I can't wait to learn more about all of that and how we can get that in the hands of as many women as possible and work on this mission together. But that brings us to our last question, which is if you could go back to a past version of you, whether it's you as a little girl, you as a teenager, you from last week, what is one piece of advice you would give her? Mm. I love this question so much. And um, I was actually asked to speak at a conference um, on this beautiful farm in Vermont. I, I don't know, it must've been a dozen years ago or so. And um, it was advice for your 14 year old self. And I thought really long about this because I was pretty messy when I was 14. And I wrote a speech called Be an Emotional Badass. And badass stood for learning how to set boundaries. That's the B. I only had 21 minutes in the speech, so it didn't have all the letters of badass. <laughs> the D was learn how to be decisive. This is one of the things that I think women struggle with a lot. And I certainly struggled with it when I was 14 years old is I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what made me happy. And so I couldn't be decisive about things. So we end up going with the flow and what's expected of you. Um, the first S in badass was about self-awareness. So how do you, how do you appreciate who you are at that time and process the emotions you're going through? through self-awareness by even noticing that you're having an emotion at that moment, because most of us at age 14 don't even know. I mean, kids today are way smarter than I was when I grew up, but um, that's what the second S stood for. And then the last S, I mean, the first S and the second S stood for self-care. And I remember way later in life than 14, learning that self-care was not about a massage and a hairdresser and getting my nails done, that self-care was about really learning to say what was okay and not okay and what you allowed into your space and into your life and it's a it's a version of boundaries but it's not just about setting boundaries it's about doing it because it's a self-care move and I will say that those things like if any 14 year old girl learned them today she will be a hell of better shape than I was you know, for the next, I don't know, whatever it was, 20 years of my life till it really started to click in. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Suzanne. We have just loved having you on the podcast with us and can't wait to let everyone hear more about you and Dare Human. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It should not be considered medical advice and or treatment. Although we are both doctors, we are not medical doctors or your medical doctor. What has been discussed should not 
take the place of your personal medical professional's advice, treatment, diagnosis, or care. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please take the time to subscribe, share, rate, and review. And we'd love if you would follow us over on Instagram. Our handles are at dr.lauradecessoris and at Dr. Nicole Marcioni, or you can just click on the links in our show notes.